Some of it might be a little bit of a head of where you've been reading if you're doing just a couple chapters a day. I can't help myself sometimes. I start reading and I get ahead. And so, uh, anyway, you know, you, you start reading a start reading a great story about what the Lord is doing and working in somebody's life. It's hard for me to just stop. I just want to keep reading. Get, and so, uh, anyway, there's some things the Lord began talking to me about that... Uh, and I don't know how many times I've read the book of Genesis in my life, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm 48 years old, and I dare say I've, I've probably read it at least 100 times. But every time I read it, I read something. It, the Lord, I love that about His Word. He continues to reveal things to us. You know, it's the reason we keep reading His Word the Lord reveals things to us oftentimes based on where we are in life and where we are in relationship to Him. And so as we grow in life and in relationship with Him, He continues to reveal things from His Word to us. That's why you can read the same chapter again and again, but as you walk through life and experience and in relationship with Him, it can begin to speak even more and more to you because it is a living Word of God when He speaks to us that way. Amen? Praise God. And so I want to walk through some things today, and I believe the Lord would like to talk to us through this, His Word. And so I want us to start with Genesis chapter number 12. And Brother Jeremiah, I am going to make you work this morning, so I know you're up to the task. Jeremiah chapter, or Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Genesis 12 and 1. Praise God. Oh, all the kids are looking at me. These poor kids. I was ready to go. Thank you. Sammy, you're dismissed. You can go to class. And everybody else can go with Sammy and Sarah Grace to class. Thank you. Can you tell I'm focused this morning? Praise God. I, I was seeing some motion in out there. Thank you for speaking up. I was trying to read and figure it out. I feel like there's a word burning in my spirit. I'm just pretty focused today. Praise God, but we don't want to forget our kids. Our teachers have given themselves to studying and preparing for our kids too. Amen. So we'll get, why don't we pray together before, and let's ask the Lord to talk to us where we are. That's important. He wants to talk to us where we are. Amen. And ask his word to speak into our spirit. I don't want it to just get, I don't want it into my intellect. I want it into my spirit. Amen. We talk to the Lord right now. Jesus, we thank you today for your great grace, the ministry of your spirit that's here this morning. I pray, almighty God, that you would speak into our spirit today according to your word, your desire, and your purpose. Let the word of God speak to us as you want it to speak, Lord. Let our hearts be in tune and sensitive to your voice. I pray that we would gain understanding and revelation that can come only from you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you know our frame, you understand us, you know us. I pray even so, living God, speak with us today as you desire. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody said amen. amen. 
Praise God. Let's try again. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. Genesis 12 and 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make... The Lord's getting ready to make a promise right here, okay? You listening? I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth. That's a pretty big promise. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Verse number four. So, watch this. Abram departed because the Lord told him to get out. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him and Abram was, notice this, Abram was how old? Abram was 75 years old. When he departed out of Haran. Jeremiah, can you skip down to verse number 7? And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Watch what he did. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. He received a promise from God and he built an altar, which is a memorial and a marker and a reference point of what God had spoken to him and where God spoke to him. So I want to talk to us today. I believe the Lord wants to talk to us for a few minutes today about the progressive revelation of his promises. The progressive revelation of his promises. I want us to see something. So this is the first evidence in Scripture that we have of the Lord speaking to Abram. And we know it's significant. We mentioned this when we encourage the reading of Genesis, that when we're reading Genesis and we get to the parts that are about Abram, Abraham, that we understand it's God showing us his relationship with mankind and his desire for relationship with mankind. It only took him three chapters to create heaven and earth and mankind. It only took three more chapters for man to prove how terrible he was when left to his own devices without God. And so by the sixth chapter, God is destroying everything he's made. And so now by the time we get to the 11th chapter and the 12th chapter, we see the Lord establishing his relationship with mankind again. And so the rest of Genesis, almost all of the remaining chapters of Genesis, are dedicated to God's relationship with man. Three chapters to create the heaven, the earth, all the universe, mankind. And almost 40 chapters to explain and lay out his desired design and promises for a relationship with you and I. That's what the story of Abraham is. You think God doesn't want a relationship with you that's personal? You're not even reading the same book I'm reading. 
He wants a personal, real, intimate relationship with you and I. So it's evidence through Abraham's life. So the Lord speaks to Abraham, makes this promise to him about making him a nation, making his name great. Now that, of course, means you're going to have children and they're going to multiply. That means your name's going to be great. Your name's going to be multiplied through your children. And so, of course, at this point, at 75 years old, Abram has no children. Genesis 15. Verse 1, said so we're going to read a little bit, but I want us to follow this progression here of the Lord talking to Abraham and reiterating to Abraham. Genesis 15, verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Now notice his question. He's still dealing with the promise of God in his mind. Right? Abram was as human as you and I are. So as sure as the story of Abram, Abraham reveals to us God's desire for relationship with man, it also reveals to us the nature of man in relationship to God and God's word talking to us. And so Abram says, uh, you know, the Lord says, I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. And he says, uh, Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Now, many of you know this, but just in case you don't, Abram means father. Wouldn't you love having a name like that? And everywhere you go, you say, hi, my name's Abram. And you go, well, it's good to meet you. I'm Martin. Abram, that means father, right? Right? Yeah, where's your kids? I don't have any. Sometimes the Lord will put things and speak things on your life that there's no evidence for yet. And there will be those around you that will try to cause you to doubt the word of the Lord because there is no evidence yet. All that matters is what the Lord said. But in his humanity, Abram says, oh, Lord, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? And so now his, his humanity, he's as human as us, his humanity is thinking about how the Lord could fulfill his promise. Anybody ever tried to figure out how the Lord could fulfill what he's told you he would do? Two of us. Thank you, Brother Joel, for raising your hand with me. Anybody ever tried to figure out how the Lord's going to? Yeah, we're human, aren't we? We're human. Man, I know the Lord's, but how? And so he's asking the Lord this question. Verse 3, he keeps talking. And Abram said, just in case the Lord didn't know this, he's as human as right. Lord, uh, behold, to me you've given no seed. You ever talk to the Lord about things that you figure he probably already knows? Yeah. See, Abram did it too. Because that's us expressing ourselves to the Lord. And so he's saying, Lord, you've not given me seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. 
And behold, now watch the Lord's response to Abram trying to figure this out and talking with God about this. The whole word of the Lord came to him saying, This shall not be thine heir. Oh. See, this is the progressive revelation of the Lord's promise. The Lord didn't tell him that at the beginning. But now the Lord's saying, Okay, you're starting to search some things out and trying to understand this more. Let me make some things clear to you, Abram. This man that you're talking to me about, Eliezer, this shall not be thine heir. And just so we're clear, Abram, But he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. In other words, in case you were doubting that you're ever going to have a child, let me take you a little further in this promise that I gave you back in chapter 12 when you were 75 years old. You've been trying to figure it out. Now you're thinking maybe it's going to be this guy that's just been faithful to me all these years and you're going to use that, Lord. And so I want to make it clear, Abram, It's not going to be that. I'm going to give you a child. It's going to come out of your own bowels. This is the progressive revelation of the promise of God. Now, did God know this at the beginning when he told him that in Genesis chapter 12? Absolutely. But why didn't God tell him that then? Because God, when he gives you and I a word and a promise, there's one thing he expects of you and I. Trust him at his word. And when it's his time, he'll reveal more of his word to us. And so this is what happens to Abram, and it's what happens in our life. Let's read just a couple verses more. And he brought him forth abroad, verse 5, and said, Look now towards heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Well, that's a promise. That's a lot to take in when you don't have a kid. Well, I thought, Lord, maybe you would use Eliezer over here, but you just said no way. You just said it's going to be my child, my seed out of my own bowels. And now you just had me look at the stars, and I can't number them. And you said, my seed's going to be like the seed of the stars. And I still have no children. See, we like to just read this as though Abram wasn't human. And just, oh yeah, whatever he says. But watch verse 6. This is beautiful. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it. That's the Lord that counted it. He counted it to him, to Abram, for righteousness. This is the first time in Scripture that we find belief and righteousness together. How far-reaching is the promise of God that by Genesis chapter number 15, the Lord is speaking to Abram about his seed that are going to be as the stars of the heavens and says to him when Abram responds that belief and righteousness go hand in hand. Now, the law hasn't been introduced yet, and so Israel's going to spend some time trying to be righteous by the law. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But we have a promise even in Genesis 15 That righteousness is going to come to the seed of Abraham by belief. See, that gets me excited because I'm of the seed of Abraham. All right. So let's go a little further. Genesis 16. 
You walking along with me in Abram's situation? Maybe seeing a little bit of yours in it sometimes. Watch this. Genesis 16, verse number 1. Still no kid, by the way. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. Don't you just love it when you have a promise from God and reminders keep coming that it's not fulfilled? This is what he's dealing with. And the writer is reminding us of this. But she did have a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. She was right, by the way. The Lord did it. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. How old is he now? I heard some. Eighty-five. He's eighty-five years old now. How long has it been since he received the promise? Ten years. He's 85. Still no kids. His wife, no doubt, he's talked to his wife and said, I was going to start talking to Brother Martin, but that would be a little awkward, right? <laughs> Funny, though. My wife's not here. She's down there teaching kids. He, so I'm sure him and his wife had these conversations about the promises that the Lord's given him. And you think she feels any pressure? Can you imagine? Okay, I'm married to a guy whose name is Father. And uh, I feel a little responsibility in this deal. And he keeps telling me about the promise the Lord gave. And, and so then he tells me he was praying and he told the Lord about Eliezer. And that sounds good to me. But then he says to me that the Lord says it's not going to be Eliezer, but it's going to be his own child. Well, then I'm his wife. And so I feel a responsibility in this deal. And not only does the Lord tell him it's going to be his own child, but it's going to be like the seed of the stars. And uh, he's now 85 and I'm not getting younger. And so she's 75, by the way, at this point. And uh, you think she feels any pressure and so now we have a man and a woman of God who are feeling pressure that's not God's plan but because of the promise of God let me ask you this question if God gives you and I a promise, if He speaks a word to us, if we have a word from God that we're standing on, who's responsible for making it happen? God is. But we're as human as Abram and Sarai. And so we'll see something. Maybe this is it. Eliezer has been raised in my house. Maybe this is God's plan for His promise. through. No, it's not that. It's... Well, Sarah's saying, you know, I'm feeling pressure. I got to take some pressure off of myself. So, Abram, why don't you just take Hagar, my handmaid? And this was very common in those days that the handmaid would bear children and then the child would be as though it was the child of the wife. 
And so that's why she said, take Hagar, my handmaid, it may be she'll conceive a child for me. And so Abram agrees to this plan. Is this God's plan? No. But he's wanting to see the promise of God fulfilled. So they've been there 10 years. He's 85, 10 years in the land of Canaan. He gave her to her husband, or she gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Verse 4, and he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she, that's Sarah, saw that she, that's Hagar, had conceived, her mistress, that's Hagar, was despised in Sarah's eyes. Isn't that fun? See, it worked even in Genesis chapter 15. It was already established, men. Your wife may tell you to do something, but then when you do it, she's going to be upset if it's not really what she wanted you to do. I'm being silly, I know, but you understand. It's, it's what would... Ex- she was trying to help, but then when... Can you imagine what she's now dealing with? She's thinking, okay, this would be a solution. And Abram's receiving of that and says, maybe this will be the case. And so he does that. And wouldn't you know it? Sarah can't become pregnant, but Hagar becomes pregnant right away. And so now Sarah's despising her. Boy, it can sure get convoluted in a hurry when we try to make the promise of God happen, can't it? And so, here she is, here they are. Let's go to chapter 17. Verse 1. Chapter 17 and verse 1. I guess that was chapter 16, wasn't it? Chapter 17, watch this. And when Abram was, how old is he? 99 years old. 90 years old and 9. That's 99. He's 99 years old. How old was he when we just read in chapter 16? He was 85, right? So it's been 14. More years. See, we just went from chapter to chapter, like, oh, well, then this happened, and then this happened, and then, oh, no, 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 no. Where we started, he was how old? 75. And then by the time we got here, he was how old? Or to chapter 16, how old was he? 85. So 10 years went by. And now we just started, and he's 99. It's been 24 years. Since the promise of the Lord first came to him. Twenty-four years. Has the word of God failed? But he sure tried a few different things with the Lord, hadn't he? So now he's. 99. Well, let's see what happens. When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, 
Hmm, after 24 years, what's the Lord got to say? I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect or complete. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, this is the Lord talking to Abram, Behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. He's heard this before, hasn't he? Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Has the Lord's promise changed? Not at all. See, sometimes we want the Lord to come back and tell us something different. The word of the Lord hasn't changed. And now the Lord says, oh, by the way, your name is no longer Abram, which means father. Today we're changing your name because I have a covenant with you. And now your name is Abraham. It doesn't mean father. It means father of many nations. He still had. Oh, he had a child now, didn't he? Ah. So maybe it's easier to believe now. Because he has a child. Well, let's read. Verse 6. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. See, these are things that he didn't tell him before, but he's establishing and strengthening the promise. This is the progressive revelation of the promise of God of his plans for this man's life. He couldn't tell him this when he was 75. He couldn't tell him this when he was 85. But now he's 99. He's been through 24 years of relationship building with God. He's gone through some things in his life. I don't think they're all recorded in the book. And things have happened. He's built some altars. He's established some things in his life. He's had some experiences with God. He spent time day by day talking with God. We know this because the scripture tells us there's a place where Abram went that he stood before the Lord. And so he's built this relationship with God. And as this relationship with God is built, God has continued to expand and bring greater understanding and speak more and more of his promise to Abram for his life. You and I must purpose in our walk with God to continue to stay in fellowship and communion with Him. This is why prayer is so critical in our daily life. Time in the Word every day is so critical. Why? Because it deepens our relationship with God. If I'm just living from Sunday to Wednesday night, I'm never going to have a deep abiding relationship with God. I have to be in a closet of prayer every day. I have to be in His Word every day. Not checking off a box and fulfilling fulfilling a duty, but spending time in relationship and fellowship with Him. I've used this example before, but it bears repeating. My wife and I have been married for almost 27 years. 
Can you imagine if I told her, hey, babe, I've got you on the calendar. We'll spend a few hours together on Tuesday. We'll spend a couple more hours together on Friday. And I think i got an extra hour on Sunday afternoon. I'll mark you in there as well. See you later. And we checked in those three times in the week. We wouldn't make it 27 years. Wouldn't make it. I mean, we might make it, but I don't know that it would be a strong abiding relationship. We'd both be fulfilling our duty. But that might be about it. I'm not interested in fulfilling my duty in relationship to... I mean, I want to fulfill what he would ask of me, but I don't want it to be a duty. I want it to be an abiding relationship where I abide in him, like the scripture says, and he abides in me, and so that whatever he asks through me, it's done. How desperate is the Lord for this with you and I? Well, let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve and the garden. When Adam and Eve fell, they hid themselves from the Lord. The Lord didn't say, well, I'll just let them, I'll let them hide from me. And I won't. No, the Lord went looking for them. Because he wants relationship with you and I. You know, my wife, sometimes she does not want to be around me. I know that's hard to believe. But sometimes that happens. But I'll tell you what, Brother Juan. I won't let her go a long time that way. I'm like, no, no, you're not going to avoid me. <laughs> I do. I, now, she downstairs this morning, but I don't say that like she's always trying to avoid me. But if, if there's something going on, I, I've learned I've got to give her a little space sometimes. You know, maybe I said something stupid. I know that's hard to believe too, but, I, you know, did something stupid or, you know, I am human. And, uh, you know, said something I shouldn't have said, responded a way I shouldn't have responded or whatever. And so I, I've learned I, I can't just run right up and reconcile like right away. Not always. But I've also learned I'm not letting that drag on. Why? Because that relationship's too valuable to me. And so I'm not going to let her just avoid me. I mean, I might give her a few hours. I'm not giving her a day or two. Not a chance. Not a chance. And I know sometimes it irritates her. Why am I talking about this, Lord? Talking about relationship with God. And I know sometimes it irritates her. She's like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Okay, don't talk. I'll just sit here. You say, man, you're honorary, Brother Hart. That's not right. No, I value our relationship. And I refuse to give her a length of time beyond what I think is probably right. No, 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 no. You're not separating yourself in this relationship. And so the Lord, how much more the Lord seeks to draw us to himself. This is his desire. And so we see from Abraham's life a relation. So you and I, we want an abiding relationship with him. It can't be a check-in a couple of times a week. It's a daily, 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 daily. You wake up, think on him. Amen? When you wake up, think on him. You say, well, what's that look like? Well, you think on him. Remember, I'm really trying to get back to this, but the Lord's sort of keeping us right here for just a second. 
Anybody here remember when you were young? I mean, like, you know, like high school puppy love young. Anybody remember that? Come on. Thank you, Sister Vanessa. I saw you raise your hand over there. Yeah. Remember when you were high school puppy love young? I, I, had a, I had a wise pastor when I was younger. He said, uh, the Lord's blessed me. I've always had wise pastors. It's the wisdom of the Lord. But when I was younger, he, he made this statement. I'll never forget it. He said, Joel, don't forget puppy love will lead to a dog's life. And so I thought that was pretty wise. Yeah, so, so I tried to move beyond puppy love. Thank the Lord he gave me my wife. And, but you remember, remember when you were younger and maybe you had one of those puppy love relationships? You know what I'm talking about? And you'd wake up in the morning, what was the first thing you were thinking about? Oh, now you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Right? If you were working, it didn't matter, right? Am I? You guys are staring at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. Right? It's like, man, I, I woke up. I was thinking about them. I, like, I didn't have cell phones when I was in that stage of life. And so I couldn't wait to get home. So that I could get the phone with the long cord on it. Right? So I could take it off the receipt. I went, I bought, I worked at Walmart, so I bought the 25-foot long cord that I could put on my phone. So, so I could take it into my room and shut the door and talk. I, I just I, I just thought about her. I I would go play basketball by myself. It was the way I would just sort of I wouldn't call it exercising. It was just something I enjoyed doing. It was a way to release energy. And and my wife, this was before she was my wife, she would get off work and she would come and sit at the basketball court and watch me play basketball. We've been married 27 years now. Me and the boys would go play basketball with men from the church. I'm like, baby, why don't you just come with us and you can... She's like, I don't want to come watch you play basketball. Now, our relationship, thank God, is much deeper than her watching me play basketball. You understand? But you say, well, how do I wake up and I be thinking of the Lord? It's based on relationship. And so as we fall in love with him who first loved us, when I wake up, I just find myself thinking, God, what's your will today? What's your desire today? Draw me close to you today. Let me walk in your spirit today. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I can't make it in my own efforts and ability. I've proven that. And so my thoughts go to him. And throughout the day, my thoughts go to him. I may face something on the job. Man, I don't know what to do. God, I need your wisdom right now. And so what do we do? Our thoughts go to him. And so if we want a relationship like we see in Abraham's life, it's going to come from a place of prayer and daily fellowship with him through his word in the closet of prayer. And so Abraham had this. And so the Lord is able to reveal more of the promise to him because it's been 24 years. And Abraham didn't just check in at year 10 and year, year 24. Abraham's been daily communing with God. And so now at 24 years into this promise, God is revealing that, man, this is a covenant I'm making with you. And this covenant's going to go to kings and nations and i'm establishing it with you forever he didn't tell him all that at the beginning he's 99 years old no kid 
I'm going to be a God to you, your seed after you. Verse number 8. And I will give to you and to your seed after you the land wherein you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. This is the reason why Israel will never be taken away, by the way. Because of the word of the Lord. To Abraham and his seed. I will give to you the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. You know how they're trying to establish Palestine? They're trying to take part of Israel and call it Palestine. This is the reason why Israel will not give it up. The world wants to say it's political and they're, oh no, it's spiritual. It's the enemy trying to use the political world to violate the word of God and make God a liar. It will never work. Verse 9. And God said to Abraham, You shall keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. Now skip all the way down to verse number 15. So the Lord just said all this, really expanded on this promise to Abraham. Abraham's already learned that it's not going to be Eliezer in his house. It's going to be his own seed. Now Sarah's given Hagar. He now has a, a child of his own seed, Ishmael. God just made this promise again. The covenant expands on it to Abram. Abraham now changed his name. Verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. So the Lord is changing both of their names. Sarai, by the way, meant princess, but it came from the language of the Ur of the Chaldees. When the Lord named it, changed her name to Sarah, Sarah means princess, but it came from Hebrew. So he took her name from a name that was given to her by the world and said, we're changing it to a name that's given to God's chosen people. Sarah shall her name be. Verse 16, watch this. I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations Kings of people shall be of her. Do you see what just happened here? 24 years later. This is the first time that Sarah was brought into the promise. Was she always part of God's plan? Absolutely. But the Lord never revealed that part to Abram, Abraham. And so he tried in his own humanity. And so what was the Lord doing? The Lord is saying, I've got a plan. And so as you progress with me, I keep revealing more of my promise to you. And you're trying to make things happen. But Abraham, I have a plan. I'm going to give a seed to Sarah. That's where it's coming from. He's 99 years old when the Lord reveals this to him. Verse 17, watch what he does. Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? 
And shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? And I want you to watch what he does. This reveals to us his humanity and tells us a lot about our humanity in relationship to God. Verse 18. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. What is he doing? He's saying, I've got a child. It's not from Sarah. I'm 100. She's 90. That doesn't seem possible. Can't you work with Ishmael? What is he doing? Abraham is settling for God to bless what he produced in the natural rather than trust God to produce something in the supernatural. And it's exactly what happens with you and I in relationship to God when we live and walk in our flesh rather than being filled with and living and walking in the spirit is we begin praying and talking to God and we want God to bless our life, but we want Him to bless it in the natural. And we're always asking Him to do something and and we've got word from the Lord that He's going to do things in our life, but we can only, if we're not careful, if we're living in the natural and thinking in the natural, we're only asking God, can you bless the natural? And this is where Abraham is. God has given him a promise that's going to require something supernatural. Because he's 100 and his wife's 90. If she's going to have a kid, it's going to be supernatural. She's 90. She's past the time to bear, the scripture tells us a little bit later. So if it's going to happen now, it's not going to be just in the natural. It's going to be supernatural that it happens. And Abraham hears the Lord saying, I'm going to do this. It's going to be supernatural. And Abraham, remember before he believed God? I don't think he stopped believing God, but he just couldn't see how. And so his prayer became a prayer of God. Can you bless what we've done on our own in the natural? You understand if the Lord would have blessed what he produced in the natural he would have just kept trying to produce in the natural. Will the Lord bless our lives in the natural? Sure. But His purpose is far greater for us. He has a supernatural purpose in our lives. It's walking in the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit then what he does in our life is a supernatural work. It's why those that come to the Lord and they thought, you know, people will make the say, well, I thought when I started living for God, all my life would get better, that my job would get better, and I'd make better income, and this would be better. And they're thinking all in the natural. How can the Lord bless the natural? How can the Lord work in the natural? How can he do things for me in the natural? And the Lord will do that. He begins to manifest himself. We see the results of living a life separated unto God begin to show up in our natural life. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. But his purpose is so much bigger than that. His plan and desire for us is not one to bless us in the natural. It's to bless us in the supernatural because then we're a living testimony unto Him. Brother Lewis said it at the outset. Cain just wanted what God could do for him in the natural. He wasn't interested in the supernatural. And so he took issue when God took favored Abel. He wanted the Lord to 
bless what he'd produced in his own efforts. That was never the plan of God. I'm hurrying to finish. Verse 19, skip down there. God said, this is what the Lord had to say when he said, let, it, let Ishmael be the one. God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him. That was the covenant he just told them about at the beginning of this chapter we read. I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him. I'll make him fruitful. I'll multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I'll make him a great nation. But I will. Notice what the Lord said. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And watch this next verse is pretty powerful. Talking about the Lord. And he left off talking with him. It's almost as though the Lord said, okay, I heard what you asked for. I'm going to bless Ishmael. But Sarah's going to have a boy. And my covenant's with him, and I'm going to bless him, and the nations are going to come out of him. And I'm done talking about it. He left off talking with him. I don't think the Lord was mad at him. Don't misunderstand me. Understand, when the word of the Lord and the promise of the Lord for mine and your life in the Spirit comes... The Lord doesn't change his promises. The promises of the Lord are yea and amen. Yes, and it is settled. And so we, as we grow in relationship with God, he continues to reveal and bring understanding of them. So we can't despair when we hear the word of the Lord, but then we, and it bears witness in our spirit, and the Lord talks with us, and we, we identify, man, I don't know exactly how, but I know God was talking to me. I know I heard from Him in that matter. I know this is something that I'm holding to, a promise that I have from Him, but I don't see anything yet. As we stay in relationship with Him, we pursue relationship with, we turn our eyes away from what we cannot see, trusting not in what we don't see, but walking by faith and not by sight. Faith in what? Faith that I've heard from God that God will fulfill His promise. How? I don't know, but He's God. That's His business. How He fulfills it is up to Him. My responsibility is to hold to His Word, to believe in His Word, to trust in His Word, and stay in right relationship with Him. And this is what Abraham did. And as he held to the Word of God, stayed in right relationship with God. Every once in a while, does humanity get in the way? Yes. That's what we see from this story. His humanity crept up trying to, I mean, he's getting older. He hasn't seen anything yet. He's wanting the will of God. And he's in relationship with God. And so he's wondering, is this how it's going to be? Could it be this? Let's try this. Maybe the Lord and his trying brought some mistakes and problems we still with, deal with today. And God had a plan. So what did the Lord do? Well, he waited until Abraham was old enough and Sarah was old enough that they could not produce the promise themselves. What is the Lord doing with you and I? There's a principle established here in Abraham's life in the book of Genesis. 
He gets us to a place to where we understand and realize I can't produce the promise of God myself. You say, I don't like that. I love that. Why would he do that? Because if I could produce his promise, who do you think is going to take credit? But when only he can produce the promise, guess who gets all the glory? And that's exactly his desire. So what does the journey of life do where the promise isn't fulfilled? It calls things out of my spirit to where I come with a firm reliance on him and dependence on him. And that's what happened in Abraham's life. Let me hurry and finish. Chapter 18. I want you to see the continued progression. Verse number 11. Just in case you didn't know this at this point. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. Wasn't enough to say they were old. They were well stricken in age. (laughs) And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. That just means she couldn't have kids anymore. Naturally, it would seem it ceased to be with her. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Notice he didn't turn to Sarah, he turned to Abraham, and said, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? At times I've wondered why the Lord turned to Abraham there instead of to Sarah. I believe it's because as the head of his home, the Lord expected Abraham to speak to her with confidence, the word of God, so that she could believe it. And her belief of it's going to come from her covering. The Lord said to Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? This is the Lord talking, right? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I want you to notice those words as we finish today. The Lord said, at the time appointed, I will return to you. According to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Every promise of God has an appointed time. It has an appointed time. I can't produce it, but I can hold to it. I can declare it. I can stand on it. I can be faithful in it. And this is what we see in Abraham's life. Skip down to verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham... Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. He will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. You know what's so interesting about those few verses right there? 
if we would have taken the time to read the verses right before it, we would understand that the Lord is sending angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Where Abraham's nephew Lot lives. And he's sending them to destroy. But because of Abraham's relationship with God. The Lord. He's not talking with Abraham right now. The Lord is talking with angels that he's sending to execute judgment. And it's so powerful to me. That the Lord is talking to angels that he's sending to execute judgment about a promise he made to Abraham. When I read that verse again and again and again last night and again this morning. I felt like the Lord said to me. There's promises I've given you and there's promises I've given children of God. That even when I'm not talking to you about them. I'm talking with my angels about them because that my word is that sure and that certain. The Lord is conversing with angels about a promise he gave Abraham. That's how important his word is to him. And finally, stand with me. Genesis chapter 21. How old was Abraham when we started this story? Seventy-five. How old is he now? Close. He's a hundred now. A hundred. It's been twenty-five years. Raise your hand if you're twenty-five years old or younger. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't see the people's hands that went up. <laughs> 25 years. That sounds like a long time, doesn't it? It's more than half my life. You say, well, Abraham was 75, so it was less than half his life. It was one quarter of his life. He's 100 years old. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Set time, God's word. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. I believe with all of my heart and spirit. That this room of believers and this congregation as a body of Christ has promises of the Lord set upon it individually and collectively. I believe that with all of my heart. There are things that are promised in these valleys that I have not seen yet. I believe with every fiber of my being that God will produce them and bring them to pass. If I try to think about it in the natural about how it will happen, Brother Lewis, I'm overwhelmed because there's no way. There's no way in the natural it can ever happen, and I know that. But I know with God, all things are possible.
The scripture says all things are possible to them that believe. You know what the enemy wants to do with time in your life and mine? Rob us of belief. Rob us of belief. You know, I can believe when I get up from the altar and the Lord's really been dealing with me, but let a week go by. Let a month go by. Let a year go by. Let 10 years go by. Well, then I've all but forgotten, if I'm not careful, what he said. I would to God this morning that he would quicken in my spirit and yours every promise he's ever spoken to your life. By the name and the authority of the name of Jesus. I would that he would in this moment quicken. And in the days ahead into your spirit and mine. Every promise he's ever spoken. Every word he's ever uttered. That it was went, meant to go into your spirit. I would that he would quicken in our spirit afresh. The things that he has put in us for his purpose. That we have yet to see come to fruition. And that we would find a renewal of faith and a confidence in a God that cannot fail. And a firm assurance that no matter how long the passing of time, His word is sure and His word is certain. I can stand on it without wavering. And I would there be a renewal of faith like we felt in the prayer room at the outset. I'm beginning to understand why He caused it to be released in the prayer room. He's wanting it to be imparted into your spirit this morning. A renewal of faith that what He said He will do. What He's promised He will bring to pass. His word cannot fail. It is forever settled in heaven. I don't care how far away the lost loved one is. God is still able to reach. I don't care how broken the relationship is. God is able to restore. In the name of Jesus. I don't care how far it seems from the calling of God on your life. He's able to fulfill it. Come on. Put it back in his hands. Put it back in his hands. Get out of the natural. Step back into the spirit. Put it back into the hands of God that he can produce what he has promised. Come on, some of you need to begin declaring some things in faith this morning. In the name of Jesus, God, what you've said, I will receive. What you've promised, I'll hold to. I repent, God, of setting it aside. I repent of setting it aside. I trust in you. I believe in you. I hope in you afresh and anew. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I want to open this altar to you. Would you respond to the word of the Lord in faith this morning? Let your stepping out of your pew be an act of faith. Let your stepping out of your pew be an affirmation. And Lord, I'm standing on your word afresh. Lord, quicken your promises in my life. In the name of Jesus, let your stepping out be an affirmation. God, I can't do it, but I know you can. I don't see how, but I cast off doubt and I lay hold of faith in the word of God anew and afresh this morning. For my life, for my family, 
for your church, for my place and work in the body of Christ as you would use me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, it may be this morning that he would begin to reveal more of the promise to you as you step in faith. He would reveal more of what he's already spoken or he'd bring that back to your memory and into your spirit again today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come on, why don't you give him full access to your mind? Say, Lord, rework my thoughts, renovate my mind afresh this morning by your word. Let your word renew my mind. Let your word renew my mind. That I think according to your precepts and the words you've spoken. Not thinking according to what I see, but what I know to be true of your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray a renewing of thoughts. A renewing of the promises in our spirit by the word of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I wouldn't doubt that after 10 years, Abraham would have been willing to just settle that maybe he missed it and maybe God wasn't going to do what he said. But the Lord reaffirmed to him his word and Abraham believed it afresh and anew. I'm going to believe the word of the Lord this morning. I'm going to stand on the word of the Lord today. In the name of Jesus on the enemy will plant thoughts the enemy will plant words to try to get us to doubt the word of God but I believe it was the prophet Isaiah that spoke and said whose report will you believe in the name of Jesus I will stand on your word father what you have not done yet you will do for you are God and you are well able there may be some here this morning where you are praying for some things, believing God to do it, but time hasn't caused it to come to pass, and you've just given up hope and stopped praying. Come on, let the Lord quicken your faith again this morning. Let Him stir your heart and your spirit to pray again, to pray in faith, believing until, to pray until, to pray until, to pray until. Father, 
Father, I'll fix my eyes on you, not on circumstances. I'll set my thoughts on your word, not on the things the enemy would try to plant. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus in your name. We won't read it this morning, but you can go read it or you'll read it in the next. Well, you would have read it yesterday, actually, if you were reading in Genesis two chapters a day. But in Genesis 22, the Lord comes to Abraham. Isaac's grown up a little bit now. Abraham's about 110 to 115, 120, somewhere in that range. Isaac's a young teenager. It's most theologians say at this point. And the Lord comes to Abraham and says, take now thy son. Notice the words the Lord used. He says, thine only son. Isaac. Why did the Lord call Isaac his only son? I'll tell you why. Because Ishmael was produced in the natural. And Isaac was produced in the spiritual. And as far as the Lord's concerned in relationship with my life and yours, what he produces in the spiritual is all that really matters. The fulfilled promise of God. Do we know the Lord blessed Ishmael? Yes, he said he would. But when it came to seeing where the sun was, it was what God had produced, not what man had produced. He said, take your only son, Isaac. Take him up to the place that I'll show you and offer him there before me. Fast forward, you read the story. Abraham took Isaac. They went to Mount Moriah. He takes Abraham, Isaac and they start heading up the mountain, just the two of them. Isaac looks and says, Father, we've got wood, we've got fire, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, Son, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. It was, of course, prophetic utterance by the mouth of Abraham that one day the Lord would provide himself as a sacrifice. So Abraham took Isaac to the mountain, laid him on the altar. You can't convince me for a minute that that young teenage boy couldn't have taken out his 115 or 120-year-old dad and got off that altar. But he laid him on the altar and drew the knife. And it's the only place in scripture that I find the Lord had to call Abraham's name twice to get his attention. He said, Abraham, Abraham. Now I know. Now I know because you've not withheld your son. You know what that tells me? The promise of God never became greater to Abraham than his relationship with God. And we can read in the book of Hebrews that Abraham makes, that the writer makes this statement. Abraham so believed, I'm paraphrasing, but Abraham so believed the word of God and the promise of God that he was going to raise up nations through Isaac that when he was ready to slay him at the Lord's word, He trusted that God would bring him back to life again because God had promised he'd fulfill something through him. Do you trust the Lord enough to take that promise and put it on the altar and let God
God do whatever he wants with it and just keep pursuing a relationship with him. That's what he's wanting of us. Because when we do that, we stop trying to fulfill the promise and we just put our attention, effort, and focus on him. Would you reach to him with me right now before we go today? I feel such a faith and assurance of his spirit and word here this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you haven't, read Genesis 22. After he offered Isaac, the Lord repeated the promise to him one more time. He added things he'd never said before. It was the progressive revelation of the promise of God. You know what the progression was? The progression was in the relationship. And as the relationship with Abraham and God progressed, the revelation, the promise that God had all along, he just continued to unfold and reveal. He wants a personal relationship with you and I. Amen. God bless you. Greet somebody today. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.